0: A reading from Genesis 29. Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my kinsman, should you serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Leah's eyes were lovely, and Rachel was graceful and beautiful. Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, it's better that I give her to you than to any other man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of the love he had for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, give me my wife that I may go into her, for my time is completed. So Laban gathered together all the people of the place and made a feast. But in the evening, he took his daughter Leah and brought her to Jacob. And he went into her. And when morning came, it was Leah. And Jacob said to Laban, what have you done to me? Didn't I serve with you for Rachel? Why have you deceived me? And Laban said, this is not done in our country giving the younger before the firstborn. Complete the week of this one, and we will give you the other also in return for serving me another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week. Then Laban gave him his daughter Rachel as a wife, and he worked for Laban another seven years. The word of God for the people of God. Wow. This is one of those texts that I would classify as unlikely to appear in the Precious Moments Bible. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> and Lucas, I've been waiting all week to see you use it in the Children's Minute. Chicken. Chicken. I've been struggling with it though. Part of what I believe to be good preaching is helping persons find themselves in a text to invite you to join one another in the hard places a text presents so that we may hear God and join one another in the tough places of the here and now. But how do I invite you to join one another on a honeymoon where you wake up with the wrong spouse. I mean, have any of you ever... Well, you know what? Never mind. (laughs) I'm not ready for that sermon. But here we are. What a mess. Do you like surprises? I used to think that I did. Surprisings can be unsettling, as Jacob and Leah and Rachel can attest. Maybe I'll just say that I appreciate them, their potential anyway. I appreciate the way surprises can jolt us from what we think is so clear, force us to act and see differently. And they aren't always obvious. Waking up with the wrong spouse, obvious. But something surprised me about this text this week that wasn't so obvious. Namely, God's not in it. Did you notice that? Where's God in all this? We find God mentioned in the chapters coming up to ours. You'll find God mentioned in the chapters afterwards. But in this mess of a story, at least seven years of Jacob's life, God's not there. It's almost as if the writer wants us to understand that, yes, this is a mess of a family. But God had no part in getting them there. I found myself, though, wanting God to get involved. Do something. Fix something. Punish someone. I mean, take Jacob, for example. What a piece of work. The only reason we're having to deal with this mess of a family is because Jacob stole his brother Esau's inheritance. Hmm. And Esau wanted to kill him. And can you blame him? But with the help of good old mom, Jacob ran off to find another family. His uncle Laban's family. He needed a fresh start. Start over, never mind the hurt he was leaving behind. He just needed some time away for a while. With what he stole, by the way, he needed a fresh start, a new family. And boy, did he get one. I mean, be honest. Don't you want to smile just a little bit? Good one, God. Nice job. He duped Esau. And now Laban duped him. Get him. But surprise. God's not in this story. And before I knew it, I realized that the only one playing God in this mess was me. I mean, do I really think that God is in the business of condemning men and women to unhappy relationships because we make mistakes? Do I really think God is like that? Perhaps God isn't in any story where we start looking for others to blame for what is our own mess of a family. Where's God in this story? Surprise, he isn't. A man walked late through the cemetery. He'd been doing so for a number of years, always the same path. But in this particular night, he didn't notice that a grave had been dug in that path. And he fell in. Been raining the night before. Try as he might, the dirt would give way, and he'd slide back in. So he gave up after a while and sat over in the corner waiting for help. A little later, a young man, on his way home from a date, took a shortcut along that same path, didn't see the grave either, and fell in. He had noticed the old man over in the corner, and he tried to climb out too every time the dirt would give way, and he'd slide back in. And the old man sat there for a moment and thought, he just needed to give that boy some advice. And so he spoke up and he said, hey, boy, you ain't getting out of here. But he did. (laughs) My goodness, Jacob and Leah and Rachel... You didn't see that one coming, did you? What do you do if you wake up one morning to discover that the family you thought you wanted is not the family you're in? Recently, after lunch, we went to uh, a trendy cafe my son and daughter-in-law took us to over in Atlanta very crowded, very cool, very young. And they had an interesting way of taking orders. Instead of your name, they would ask you for the name of your favorite band. So when the time came to pick up your order, they would loudly broadcast this over the cafe, and the crowd would react in all sorts of ways. And so I thought, oh yeah, I'm going to have fun with this one. So I pulled out my phone and I googled weirdest band names of all time. And guess what came up? King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. (laughs) So I turned to Margaret and I said, watch this. And so I placed my order and the young man asked me, what's your favorite band, sir? And I probably said King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And you wouldn't believe the surprise look that 19, 20-year-old gave me. He stood there for a minute and he said, no cap. Now, by the way, for you old people out there, uh, no cap means no lie or seriously? I said, absolutely. Didn't see that one coming, did you? And he said, no. He said, bro, that's mine too. (laughs) And I said, seriously? That means no cap for you young people out there. (laughs) And he said, yeah, man. And you're like old. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't have as much fun with this prank as I started uh, when I started there. And he said, oh, dude, no offense, but we're like fam, short for family. (laughs) And I walked to our table with dude still feeling some weird connection with me that I never expected. And I thought, surprise, Jason. You just became part of a family. And I wasn't sure that I wanted to be. (laughs) But the big moment was still to come. And so when our order was up, the waiter yelled across the cafe, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. And I kid you not, as I got up with bow tie and suit and walked to the counter, a group of of persons tattooed up one arm and and down the next, they raised their glasses and said, Rock on, man, rock on. (laughs) (laughs) When I woke up that morning, I never expected that fans of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard would see me as family. And it made me think, in what kind of family do I think I belong? The cleaned up ones that I try to create for myself or the unexpected ones that God is trying to love? What do you do if you wake up one morning to discover that the family you thought you wanted is not the family you're in? As persons of faith, I think sometimes we spend a great deal of energy trying to create the perfect family. And we miss amazing opportunities for love and redemption in the chaotic, messy families we find ourselves in. Don't get me wrong, Jacob and Leah and Rachel, they were forced into a mess. And they created one of their own, too. But they were family. And although God wasn't in that mess of a story, they would eventually find that God was working on another story, alongside theirs, creating a people out of those who never wanted to be. And they never saw it coming either. When I first entered seminary, all first-year students were placed in a class called supervised ministry. It was a class where they would place us in ministerial settings throughout the city. And my assignment for that year was to be a chaplain in a retirement nursing home facility. So the first day, they dropped us off and said, Go be chaplains. And that was it. The next few weeks were a mess. One awkward conversation after the next. And by the second or third week, I had had it. But there was still one resident on my list that I had to check off, Mrs. Johnson. I had heard about her from the other residents. Have you met Mrs. Johnson yet? No, why? Oh, no reason. Good luck. And there I was at the end of the hall, about to meet Mrs. Johnson. So I knocked. And from inside, a voice said, who is it?" I said, Mrs. Johnson, my name is Jason Borders, and I'm the new chaplain here. I wondered if I might introduce myself. Who are you? Uh, My name is Jason Borders. I'm the new chaplain here. May we talk? At that point, the lock started turning and chains started rattling, and with one chain still attached, the door creaked open and out peered one eye. And she said, I didn't order a chaplain. (laughs) I said, yes, ma'am, I understand, but my name is Jason Borders, and I'm new here, and I'm assigned as your chaplain, and wham, door slammed. But then that one chain unlatched, and the door flew open again. And in that doorway stood all four feet, 11 inches of Mrs. Johnson. And she said, why do I need a chaplain? So you've got to understand, Mrs. Johnson had the eyes of a veteran. She looked like she had taken down many chaplains in her day, and I was the next on the list. And I don't know if it was just I had just had it with all, all this, everything. And I, but before I knew what I was saying, I said, Lady, I have absolutely no idea why you need a chaplain. And she stood there for a long time looking at me and finally said, You, I can talk to. <laughs> and for the next hour and a half, I became her chaplain. And she became mine. Never saw it coming. Being a Christian requires that we get good at seeing the world as God sees. A messy one, but redeemable, even when we think it's hopeless or lost. Why do we think that love isn't an accurate way to view the world? Take a wedding, for instance. Have you ever been at a wedding and heard someone say, what could she possibly see in him? I have. We have this strange idea that love somehow skews our vision. But what if it doesn't? What if love clarifies it? What if love allows us to see as God sees and for once in our lives to see the broken places for what they really are, redeemable? God didn't create the mess of Jacob's family, but God was working alongside it. In places that Jacob and Leah and Rachel would gradually discover, so that through love, they might see how God saw them all. Once before our bedtime prayer together, my daughter, then aged six, she looked up at me and she said, "Daddy, where's heaven?" She had just lost her great-grandmother. And me, my grandmother. I wasn't sure what to say. But I remember this coming out. I said, "Lay Grace, I guess I don't think of heaven so much as a place as at a time. When all of God's creation will love as Christ does. I wasn't sure what she'd do with that. She fumbled with her fingers for a moment. And she looked back at me and she said, Daddy, I'm ready for heaven time to start. And I said, me too, sweetie. Me too. God didn't create the messes in which we find ourselves. But God sure does love us in spite of them leading us to a time where we might see one another as God does. What a big old wonderful mess of a family we woke up to find ourselves in this morning. And the real surprise is that God loves every single messed up one of us. Didn't see that one coming. Did you?